0: How do you transform trauma? How can we reclaim our pleasure and bend reality? On this week's show, you'll learn how to do all of the above from a guest who didn't start confronting her trauma until her thirties. When she did, she found her healing process didn't just help her overcome the trauma. It also helped transform it. And she came out of it even more powerful and able to help others experience similar healing. Welcome to Unleash Your Inner Creative with Lauren LaGrasso. I'm Lauren LaGrasso. I'm an award-winning podcast host and producer, singer-songwriter, public speaker, actor, and creative coach. And this show is meant to give you tools to claim the word creative, take fear out of the driver's seat, and love yourself enough to pursue whatever it is that's on your heart. On the show, we explore the creative process and journey, mental health, self-development, spirituality, and everything it means to be a human and become more human. Today's guest is Yemi Penn. Yemi is a British-born and first-generation Nigerian author, engineer, TEDx speaker, documentarian, and entrepreneur whose mission is to help others overcome and transform their traumas. She is a true, multi-passionate creative. She's managed to dip her toes in so many industries. Most recently, she released a short documentary titled, Did I Choose My Trauma?, that follows her experience from childhood abuse to actively healing in adulthood. Yemi didn't confront her trauma until her 30s. It's something that many of us do when we have extremely painful events that we've repressed. But as she came to learn, her trauma had heavily shaped who she became. And reclaiming her power and her true identity meant finally confronting her trauma. Her career path basically did a 180 when she realized how important it was for her to find her voice and speak out about what happened to her so others could be healed too. This was easily one of my favorite conversations this year. Yemi felt like a true soul sister. It's something I think you'll feel when you listen to the episode. And she just has so much wisdom to offer. We talk about the cycle of generational trauma, some traditional Eastern healing modalities that will help you move through some of this stuff, her concept of bending reality, and the connection between unlocking and healing your sexuality and unlocking your creativity. This episode is full of valuable tools, epiphanies, and deep connections, so I think it's extremely valuable for anyone to listen to. But I do have to give you a quick trigger warning here. We'll be talking about some sensitive topics such as childhood sexual abuse, so be aware of that going into it. This content might not be suitable for everyone, but if you can, come back to it at a time when you feel ready. I think it's extremely valuable. Okay, I don't want you to wait any longer. Here she is, the beautiful and brave Yemi Pen. Yummy. I am so happy to have you on the pod. I love you as a human already. Um, I'm so just thrilled to be able to share your story with the audience and some of the amazing tools you have and talk about trauma and bending reality. So thank you for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me. And I just love how eloquently you put that. I and mean, it's already a taboo subject, but we need to start speaking about it. And you just kind of said it with grace. So I'm, I'm so excited to
0: yeah to get deeper. Oh, me too. I love jumping right in. I mean, no, how's the weather? Let's just like get down to your childhood, you know? <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> well,
0: now's a good time. Now's a good now's time. For a great us to do time. It. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that you've taken your trauma and transformed it. And this is a huge part of your life. But
1: Yemi, how do you define trauma? It's the simple term that I like the most. And it's not my definition. It's definitely out there. Just don't know who to quit at this stage. Uh, Trauma is a distressing distressing or disturbing event that happens to you. And it can be in any capacity. We just need to take sides out of it. If it impacts you in a way that distresses you, then you've experienced trauma. Mm. And you said there's two different
0: types of trauma. What are those?
1: So this came through in my first documentary, Some of the Psychologists, which is shock Trauma. So for some people, they may have had an accident where it's like, oh my gosh, I was sitting in this car seat and bam, I'm now out of it. It's the shock and something will happen in the whole body that would just um, absolutely take you out, which is why, you know, if people have experienced where gunshots or something has happened, you could have a car make a loud noise and their body goes into shock again, where they can stop or just lose all bodily functions. And then the other one is complex trauma, which is it just going on repeat so my particular trauma of child sexual abuse would would be complex trauma because it was gradual there was a bit of grooming there was real confusion and you know i can't remember the the psychological name but the, almost a split in personality you know, having to be this shy kid who hides when someone comes. But then when I'm with my friends, I play. It was just like, really? And so that's complex. It starts to fracture the personality. And that's why most of the time Mm -hmm. I can tell when someone has experienced complex trauma because they appear to be two different people. And we just have never really given the understanding to therefore have empathy for that. So yeah, shock trauma and complex trauma is probably the easiest way to break it into, into categories. And there'll be so many things within that. Is
0: complex trauma too something that's recurring? Like it's not just the one instance. Yeah. So it goes over time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's on, un, it's unrepeat repeat and could be in different forms. Doesn't have to be the same, the same one. So whether someone's in, you know, emotional abuse or domestically violent relationship, definitely complex trauma. Mm, that makes sense. I'm wondering
0: if you could take me and the listeners through your greatest trauma, how you confronted it and began your healing journey.
1: Yeah, thank you. I mean, I have to be honest and say from the get go that I'm still transforming it. I don't know when it ends. Mm. But I think that's, I guess, maybe slightly different with the way I'm approaching it is that it's a journey. I'm not waiting for me to be finished before I start speaking. And, you know, talking about trauma, I mean, I did my TED talk where I was kind of jokingly saying my trauma is bigger than everyone else's, which was really uh, um, an invitation to me and others to look at what they've been through, regardless of the size. So the, I guess the trauma that's impacted me the most was as a child um, having my power taken away from me, my sexual power, where an uncle, you know, close relative in the family abused his power over me. Now, over time, I found delicate ways to say that mm. because another name for that is child sexual abuse, and that's the way I put it. But I, I guess I've gone a bit deeper to say, well, how did that impact me? And it, and it is that it was, it was the power, it was. It was an abuse of trust. Um, And that happened, the memory I have, to be honest, is from the age of seven. I think it was happening before, possibly went on for longer, but as psychologists say, you just completely suppress some memories. And I don't think it was until I was in my 30s that I realized, okay, so what went down then wasn't right. And I haven't actually spent any time looking at how that could have impacted me. And I think that blew my mind. It blew my mind that, It was just a wrap up and go, let's continue life and let's not try to look at the repeating patterns in my life and see if they've got anything to do with that. I think even just speaking that out now, it's just absolute madness that decades would pass and yeah, I wouldn't think, and it's no blame at all that I wouldn't think I need to look into that, but yeah, that's the the best way I can summarize what happened to me.
0: And that brings up so many questions for me, because I know you say, if you don't transform your trauma, you transfer it. And I think that this notion of, okay, something terrible happened to me when I was younger, but I'm just going to keep moving on and be strong and push through and keep going was something our parents' generation and our grandparents' generation just took as the truth. Like in my family in particular, my grandma was horribly abused as a child, but never dealt with it. And then- I mean, it's kind of gone through the generations and different iterations. But how did you decide to step out and be the outlier and say, you know what? I'm not going to keep the secret going.
1: I'm going to speak my truth and move through this. Firstly, lots of love to your grandmother. The matriarchal wounds are so deep. And as you were just saying that, I found myself feeling a bit sick pit of my stomach. How did I deal with it? The voice that just came to me immediately was, well, I ran away." because I'm in Australia, my family are not in Australia, my immediate family. So I think on some cellular level, before I knew I was going to start speaking about this in this way, I had already moved. But I think that was part of my healing journey. I knew that I needed to have a physical different environment to start healing, even though that wasn't my intention. I think there was something, maybe that's what we call matriarchal wisdom that had me move. So firstly, when when I first wrote my book, where I spoke about that trauma in the first instance, which was really what kind of moved me to do a documentary. I shared it with my siblings. I knew it was going to be a bit harder with my mum and I have sympathy and compassion for her. I genuinely do in her generation. Um, But I needed to do this for me. I've got two kids now. And even if I didn't have kids, you know, I still have influence over young children. And I, I couldn't let this story die in me, number one. And number two, I've... I've relied on so many other thought leaders, teachers in the world who have given me relief in life. And I thought, what does it look like if I pass this on? So I just, I really just had to firm it. And I I don't think I'm anywhere near yet. I mean, when my documentaries, should they eventually get to, you know, wider platforms or when they do get to wider platforms, it's going to become bigger. And so at some point I'm going to need to bring my family in for some healing to say, look, this is just me talking about my stuff. Mm. You all have your stuff and I'm not trying to make this about me. I'm trying to make this about a global revolution of healing. So I haven't had that conversation yet, but my siblings, I kind of warmed Um, But I'll be honest, I'm slightly protected being on the other side of the world. I don't have to hear relatives giving me their thoughts and opinions. And as you shared recently, that inner critic voice of, Yemi, should you be doing this? Just pipe down and just do your nine to five job and stop talking.
0: Why do you think the secrecy comes out? Because I'm 100% Italian. And that's something that's very strong in our culture is keep it in yeah. if you don't speak it it's not real um, protect the family at all costs even if it costs you yourself
1: yeah Uh oh. <laughs> Sometimes I definitely think there's a part of Italian in me, but I think there are a lot of cultures that haven't said it.
0: Yeah, I think any strong culture has this piece of it. Any
1: strong familial culture, right? Correct, Mm correct. And look, I don't know specifically about Italian, but as I share some of mine, you might find some similarities. There's probably something in the history of Italian people and say, for instance, for me, African black people, where it was not okay to speak out. So if I go back and I look at movies, especially around slavery, where... If you were trying to make noise because you had just been captured and you started crying, you actually risked the rest of the crew. You risked the family. So at some point in life, our parents' generations, regardless of race, maybe around culture, it would have been dangerous to the pack. To the community for you to speak out and actually share how you really felt. And that's where my sympathy comes from. It comes from the fact that there might be parts of their brain that have never adapted to the fact that we now have more allies to talk about stuff, that it's now actually safer to talk about stuff. And I just don't think that's been carried through. And so even myself, I've had to kind of speak more gently to my mum when she, she calls me out and says, Yemi, do you need to share all of that on Facebook? And I said, look, mum, I understand why your generation couldn't speak, but I actually want to be a change maker. Um I actually really want to instigate change and it's not to hurt anybody. Um, but this needs to be done. I said, just like how we now have, you know, women have rights to vote. You know, I know we celebrate that, you know, bizarrely, but there was a time we didn't. There were people who went out there. But I think we're just trying to protect the family line. But we have to remind them and say things have changed now. And if we want our children's children's children to have access to the things that we never would have dreamt of, we're going to have to do this.
0: And I I love what you talk about because I watched your documentary, uh, Did I Choose My Trauma? And I watched it in preparation for this and one thing you talked about you know we're talking about generational healing is how you call on your ancestors like you know your even your past lives to like help you deal with the things you have I'm curious about that but also I've been thinking lately like if we heal our trauma if we decide to go on a healing journey with our trauma because I agree with you it's it's a constant evolution of that right and you're just you know constantly cleaning as you would say yeah so if we decide to do that, do you believe it heals up the bloodline too? Oh,
1: I believe it does, Lauren. I, I've got my daughter's blessing on this. Um, I think it, I was being interviewed by Jack Canfield and it was it was still very fresh. I think he asked a similar question. And I said... Basically, my daughter, teenage daughter, was going through some challenges. It was self-harm that was going on. And I never thought in a million years, as most of us do, that that would happen in our family. Because for some reason, we think we just all have our shit together and there's nothing that could go wrong. And what happened when I saw the scars is I dissociated. I went back to Yemi's trauma even though they were very different things my inability to handle it I gave her the support at a physical level but mentally I was no longer in the building it was Mm. it was really weird I can't even remember and when I took my daughter to go see a therapist her therapist noticed that I had disassociated and she said to go so when you ask that question And as a result, I started seeing my psychologist who started to give me some things to deal with myself. And that was where this hunger to do the documentary and start having this conversation. So just me looking at my own stuff, allows me to be present for my daughter. Sometimes we think it's exactly the same trauma that's handed down. No, it's how we show up in the world. It's how we respond to challenges. So absolutely when we look at our own stuff, we are passing on wisdom. And I, and I need to get better at also talking about that the wisdom that comes with, you know, managing trauma, you know, building resilience. So absolutely if everyone took just the responsibility of themselves, All the things we think are wrong in the world, I actually think would change um, really quickly.
0: And as you started your transformation, your healing journey, what were some of the things you tactically did? I know you mentioned you went to therapy. What were some other things you did to
1: move through it, to not disassociate, to stay with yourself? Really great question, because I think some people think there's just one way to do it. I had to suspend all my disbelief on there just being one way therapy. To heal um it 's the root that i 've been told over and over again, and then I had to come back like you know with your Italian culture, there are going to be things that your your nonna did yeah that, that you know they're going to be things that we might find in the Western world that was odd, whether it 's leave a window open at night between nine to twelve or bake something i I'm, you know I, I say this as if it 's jest, but it 's true, there were cultures, and I got really curious. I got really curious. What did people do? And so I'd speak to people, and I started to try some of the Eastern philosophies. Whether it was Reiki, I got into. I got into crystal. Crystal dreaming was a big one for me, and that that's still fresh. That was only two years ago. What's crystal dreaming? Yeah, so I trained to be a, um, a practitioner. What it is is we use crystals, which, as you may know, you know, use energy properties of the earth, and you kind of create this mandala. This it's kind of like a portal on the floor and your head needs to face north. And you have a practitioner who guides you and simply asks you some questions in your subconscious. So the portal has to be closed. You've got certain ones by your feet around your main meridian chakras, but a lot of them by the head. And you ask their unconscious certain questions like, where are you? And you answer. But I'm an engineer by profession. This is what I studied in. So I've got the analytical side of my brain. I'm (laughs) like, "Mm, really, what does this mean? So I'm I'm kind of asking the questions, but also being open. But what happens is you find yourself when you're in the mandala, just answering the questions and behind the cage and this, and it kind of, that was where the past life elements for me came up. And I guess gave me some answers, some reasonings. Can it be proved? Because we're all looking for proof via data and peer review. Um, no, but my goodness, let's not let's not get too caught up in that because we take away our sixth sense of gut and instinct, something our ancestors had in, in droves when they were trying to survive, you know, in nature. So yeah, those, those things have definitely helped. And I, and I have to be honest, very, very recently, I yeah I took part in a ayahuasca ceremony, mm. which is very unusual for me because I am absolutely clean. I've never done drugs. I think the most I've ever done is take a puff of a cigarette at 15. So ayahuasca was always going to take me on a journey, I imagine. So just been open to alternative modalities and sat with whatever works. What was the impetus
0: for you to finally say, okay... I've been kind of anti-drug my whole life. I want to try this plant medicine and see how it can help me.
1: Oh my God, really good question. If I was going to be honest with you, I think I'm now, so I'm, I'm fast approaching 40, which I'm so excited about because apparently that's when the curtains really open and I'm like, yay, ready. Um, <laughs> but I think I've just got this question for what else is there in life? I'm careful of not saying more, 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 because I do think I want more, but just more, not not more material stuff. But I'm interested to just know what else is out there. Like all of a sudden I find this urge to find out what other parts of the world don't I know about their story? What isn't being mm-hmm. featured in the news? I'm really curious, and so I want to ask. I'm finding myself really curious and hungry. And I'd heard so much about it, and I guess sometimes you just have a knowing. Now, my I had a fear attached to it because I have a fear of giving control to somebody else over my life. So I had to deal with that fear. And I I deal with that fear in almost everything. It's the reason why sometimes I've done business ideas that others wouldn't do because I've learned to manage my fear. But also, honestly, Lauren, I'm doing a PhD where I'm looking at Traditional modalities for healing trauma. I was also, yeah, curious to find out. Well, what can I put in my research, and how can I make this a first-hand experience as opposed to just someone else's story? So there, there was, there was that. And I guess, as most of us know, in, in the kind of personal development space, when your why is really strong, you kind of, you kind of go a different way. And my why is really strong. I want to leave content for people to consider that they never would have had access to.
0: And. How did it help you move through some of the trauma, maybe
1: that you hadn't even acknowledged yet? And yeah. who would you recommend this for? Oh, it felt just the way you and I are talking. It felt like I was answering or somebody else, consciousness, what, whatever. Because I, I don't know. I still live in this three D world where I need to give everything meaning and a name. But if I could put it really simply, because I'm so curious, when I was in my ayahuasca ceremony, I would, I would ask questions why is this happening? I'd ask seemingly silly questions like, why are my feet always so cold? And the answers came as clear as you are responding to me right now. And obviously, yes, I'm on a journey. You know, some people might call it a trip, but it was really clear and it made sense it made sense. And when it didn't make sense, I'd investigate a bit further. And then even when I came out of the ceremony, I'd explore it and find out, oh my gosh, this is how I feel. Like I found out that I had major distrust for certain things that I didn't realize I did. And so now every time something comes up and I find this inner critic or this other voice speaking, I'm like, there it is, there's your distrust. So you need to work on that. Um, so it just it kind of brought things to the forefront in the most loving way. There was no shame or guilt. it just was and and so that's helped me on that way. I think I'll do more in the future, but I'm not in a hurry because it was definitely very confronting, but it's just it's allowed me to give I guess myself some answers, which is com comforting for sure
0: and I wanted to go back to that transferred trauma piece. if you've been the recipient of some transferred trauma, which i'm I would think we all have. How do you specifically move through that
1: kind? Mm. Acknowledgement has to be the first step. Just acknowledge that, look, there's a possibility this isn't even my stuff. Maybe this got passed down. I mean, even biologically, considering apparently every female baby or child in the womb has all their eggs produced. You know, your grandma might have been going through some deep stress when you were in some part in existence. So, you know... And it's so difficult to place fault or blame on there. So I say, where you can, try not to rely on blame or fault, but just acknowledge it and then maybe start asking questions. I mean, my dad passed away about four years ago, and I miss the fact that he was the one person in the family I could have asked any question. Find the person in your family who's willing to answer questions to just give you some history. That understanding actually is a big part of freedom and healing because then you know what to go and heal or to sort out because how can we how can we say goodbye to something we won't even acknowledge so first acknowledge that actually some stuff may have been passed down to you do you want it anymore do you need it how can you change how you use it that's the first inner dialogue then find the person in your family who's open to saying yeah there was this person noting it's their view only but at least it gives you some wisdom to then work with the therapist or any other non-traditional modality
0: You just blew my mind because I just realized I lived inside my grandma too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think I saw that in your eyes. (laughs) I was
0: like, whoa. (sighs) If my mom had all her eggs when she was in my grandma's stomach, then I also lived inside of my grandma.
1: Correct. Exactly. I saw your face like literally light up and I think, oh my gosh, what did I say? But yes, absolutely. I've never considered that. So can you imagine... If your grandma was going through stress or happiness, there's something that was being passed down. Now, it's only part of you because eventually you would need, you know, your mom would have needed to be with your dad, but there is something. And and once again, we know because we're still, you know, fighting for equality, no one would have done any research on this. No one's done any deep research on this. So imagine what we don't know. And we're all walking around in this world thinking, oh, there's something wrong with me. No, maybe something got transferred and we just don't have enough information about it yet. So I say start there. Mm. You've mentioned curiosity
0: so many times. Mm. What role do you think curiosity plays in not only healing, but just
1: having a good life? Oh my gosh. As you said that, because I get these downloads, curiosity killed the cat. Firstly, we got given that belief system that I think stopped us from being curious. What I think curiosity does is I think it helps towards empathy. I think it helps towards tolerance. I think it helps towards knowledge build because I am, I'm a why person, but I also remember in watching movies that the kid who asked too many questions usually got a backhand or a shut up or a shush. So there's been a risk that it's kind of made us quiet. But, um, I think curiosity is the reason that we'll continue to give us purpose in life i mean i'm i'm doing a talk over the next couple of weeks and curiosity is the theme a particular organization is taking people out of corporate australia to what they're calling the outside to connect with indigenous land to do Mm non-traditional stuff and it is so rich and the number one theme is curiosity and maybe that's why i keep on saying it because they want to invite their teams and their people to not think in a one-dimensional way which is we must make profits for the business i must hit all my targets and just think of something else. The world is so huge. We, none of us, I don't believe for a second I'm, I'm willing to be proven wrong, none of us really know what reality is, because there's a reality happening here, where you are, a different country, and I have no knowledge of that in real time. So if we don't have that concept, how can we come up into the world as if everything we experience is the be-all and end-all? Curiosity allows you to see outside of that. And when you do, you start to find out, ah, people are different from me because they experience a different reality. Therefore, your judgment can be less because you're at least aware of that. I just think it's, yeah, once again, another key to um, solving a lot of the problems we have in the world.
0: Yeah. And it seems like curiosity for you might be the foundation to what you call bending reality. Mm. I was thinking of that again with the cat being curious and then dying. Yeah. So so but you had to reframe that story so that your curiosity led you to expanding and becoming your a fuller version
1: of yourself. Absolutely. So
0: can you explain what bending reality is and how we can
1: begin to do that in our lives? Oh, look, I have to acknowledge that maybe this is my inner critic talking, that sometimes these words just sound really cool. But I do love the concept of bending reality because firstly, it means that this is not the only reality I live in. Um, I say in a number of keynotes I give that I decide to unsubscribe from fuckery. And when I say when I say that I mean there are certain things you're going to see in your life that you think this doesn't make any sense this goes against everything in my being it's unjust it's unequal and so anything that does that I unsubscribe from it meaning that I literally might unsubscribe from an email that keeps on sending me nonsense or following someone or a post and and when I say that I, I make sure I get comfortable with being uncomfortable because I want to remain curious to things but there's certain things in this world that we're living in that just don't work for me and that involves you know hurt humans and our earth like I just I I can't I can't subscribe to that um I will listen to different opinions but I don't need to buy into it and so for me bending reality then comes like creating another one and I try to relate it to the games that you know kids and adults play where they've got these new skins and these new avatars they're creating a different reality and so I challenge people to say how you bend reality is if you wanted to do something can you find yourself telling people I can't do this who do you need to be What new reality do you need to create where there's a different Lauren or a different Yemi in there? And what you then do is say, well, how can I do it? Sometimes just asking those really seemingly minor questions is how you start bending it. Australia was locked down for two years. I think they're still not even letting some people out who haven't gone ahead and had the vaccination. So we're still locked down in a certain way. But I remember being invited to do a TED Talk and people saying to me, and because at the time there were no, you know, I don't think we'd even started giving vaccines. They said, um, yeah, yeah, you're not going to be able to leave the country and go to Florida, to America. And I thought, I, I'm not signing up to that reality. I'm not signing up to a reality where you're locking me in. Like, I appreciate for safety, I'll be safe and I'll be respectful but I don't, I don't sign up to that. So that was number one. And then the next question was, well, Yemi, what do you need to do to be in a reality where you can leave the country? My goodness, it was so much fun. It was like I was Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible (laughs) and I just bent reality. And I've said it so blasé, but that's the truth. Literally find out if you subscribe, unsubscribe, create a different reality where you are the person who you need to be to do what you want to do. And my goodness, go do it by asking how, and you will find the answers easily.
0: I love that. I recently heard this one line. It said they were talking about directing, like directing a movie. Mm. And they said the only thing you need to know to be a director is what you want and how to get it. Mm. And I feel like that's true in life, too, especially with what you're describing. I mean, the only thing you need to know to bend reality is what
1: you want and how to get it. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. That's put so simply. Sometimes we overcomplicate things. I need to write that down. (laughs) What you want and how you get it. Love it. Yeah,
0: because also I kind of love that, you know, you have, which I want to get to this. You're an engineer, which is <laughs> wild that you have so many talents and such diverse talents. But you're using that scientific mathematical part of your brain almost like I call it like doing a geometry proof in life. So you're starting with the end and then just backtracking your way into getting there.
1: Love it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. What did you call it? A geometry. A geometry proof of
0: life. Like you're doing a proof. Yes. So you're, you're. You know, you know the answer, mm. and you just have to
1: backtrack into the answer. Yes, Brilliant. I remember. I had um, I had a reading done via medium or numerology. I don't. Know, I was just trying everything, and that's what she kind of told me. She said she just saw lots of encyclopedias, and this is where I start to dabble in other parts. And then I also had another reading where someone said in my past lives, I I had learned a lot of the skills that I'm currently putting in, and that's why to some people it might appear that this comes across easy for me. And especially because I'm doing diverse things, but apparently it's because I've done it in a previous life and I'm now just remembering, but I'm here to learn other things. Mm. So there are some things that I find hard, like emotion. My emotional intelligence was really low. You know, I grew up in a family where saying I love you or hugging was not a thing, Mm. but I knew they loved me because love was shown in a different way. It was survival. It was if a teacher was questioning my intelligence, my mom would be there saying, no, don't. So it was very different. So I come into this world and then have kids and I'm struggling to hug my kids. Like people don't get that. But once again, this is transference and I don't want to wrong or right it. So, you know, for me, it was a case of learning. Well, what is it that I what is it that I need to learn? So the engineering, I think, slightly challenging status quo, but I think it's also become the gift. Because we need to scientifically back everything, because we need to peer review, I think part of my role and purpose on life is, well, how can I have a conversation with people and acknowledge that side of the having to prove everything to also using your own internal navigation to also give proof? Um, I'm still figuring it out there.
0: Yeah. I heard somebody say recently, and we talked about it on the podcast, but it doesn't matter if it's true. It only matters if it's helpful.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: If it helped, like, okay, let's take past lives, for instance. I also believe in past lives. But, like, if you do a past life regression and it helps you. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. You know? Like, if it's real, like, maybe we'll never be able to, like, scientifically, although there are some, you know, things out there that you could trace back, but maybe you won't be able to scientifically figure out why that's true and how it helps from a logical perspective. But if it helped, that's what matters.
1: Absolutely. That's so true. Oh, my gosh. Can I quote you in my PhD for that?
0: Please.
1: i not even kidding.
0: <laughs> um, okay, can we talk manifestation? Because I love what you say. Manifestation equals intuition minus fear. Mm. Fear of stepping out of the comfort zone. So yeah. take me through how do how do we do this math problem in life? Math
1: <laughs> problem, I love it. <laughs> I can't believe I'm such a nerd, but I love it. It's so oh, great. I love guys. It's an easy formula. Anyone can do this kind. Absolutely. I mean, intuition. Oh, someone said it yesterday. I went to see a lady and I loved it so much. I think it was a mix of your intuition is kind of like part of your intention. Um, and, and I want to explain the reason why sometimes you don't trust your intuition is because you think if you failed in life. I remember when I was getting divorced and I had two kids, two different dads. It was the highest source of my shame because that is not the story I was meant to be living, I told myself. And therefore, I no longer trusted my intuition to attract men that I think I could have a longer relationship with. And I bring this up because sometimes our intuition has been completely um, dulled down because we think we failed. And that's where sympathy has to come in, that you cannot learn unless you experience. And so therefore from that, just acknowledge it, compassion. And then just, you know, the body keeps the score. The body sometimes holds wisdom and the body sometimes holds trauma. Remember, it can hold both. So sometimes your intuition can come from your body like your stomach, your shoulder, a twitch. And if you pay attention to your body, it'll be able to let you know, well, what is it I'm thinking about? What is it my body's trying to tell me? And you have to practice that the same way you practice eating healthy, the same way you practice going to the gym. It's not, even though I think it's something we, we have been born with, like kids, babies have intuition you know, whether you want to call it something, at a basic level, they have an intuition that if they crawl up to mama's breast, they are going to be fed. There is something in us. We just have to reconnect with it. The other part is how you manage fear. Everybody's got their own rule. I know Tony Robbins says, dance with fear. And some people don't know what that means. And then I can't remember the lady who wrote the book, feel the fear and do it anyway. You've just got to figure out how you manage fear. I manage fear by just doing it. I don't like flying, um, but I've done the work to find out why I don't like flying. And so I do something about it and get on the damn plane because where I want to go is way more important than me quivering at home. You do that, you manifest.
0: So you think part of what, what helps dance with the fear is understanding why the fear is there. Yes. Okay. And then when you understand why the fear is there, do you take care of that need that the fear was covering up for? How do you, Absolutely. yeah. Like how does that work in practice?
1: Okay, so maybe let me use my example again and then, because you're so good at putting them into the, breaking it down. I guess how I put in practice, I, I do the work. I'm trying to understand, it's almost the opposite of procrastination like you said with the director what you want how you get it but then there's a why for me in there as well why do you want it why do I want to get on the plane well because I want to go deliver a TED talk why do you want to deliver a TED because I want to create change in the world and so then I go back to the fear and find well, what exactly am I fearing I'm fearful of dying because I'm not flying the plane like I, I usually like it when I'm... But I get really real. In order to make any changes in life, you've got to be absolutely radically honest with yourself. If you hold shame or anything, hold off of it. If there's a friend you can share it with, great. If not, my goodness, talk to yourself in the mirror. Because for me, it was that was not flying the plane. And then it was, okay, but if you die, then what happens? Then my kids won't know I love them. So tell them you love them every time. And if you have to tell them before you get on the plane, because can you accept we're all going to go, but we just don't know when? So I have those dialogues so quickly now, but that one was my biggest aha moment that opened up so much. The fear hasn't gone, but I've just learned to dance with it because I tell the kids I love them every single time I'm on there and try to find ways to distract myself.
0: Yeah, that's so beautiful. So you find what the deeper fear is underneath that one fear that is presenting itself most at the forefront. And then you also prioritize the desire over the fear. Yes,
1: Correct. Oh, you're
0: so good. Oh my gosh, <laughs> so good. I mean, you're so good. I'm just repeating back what you're saying. Um, I, you know, that's another thing I want to talk about. Speaking of desire, because you know, something we've addressed a lot on this show because it is about creativity is how the sacral chakra is in charge of both creativity and sexuality, and how if you're not in touch with either one of those, it can affect or hinder the other. And I know going through sexual trauma, it's something. I'm sure you've had to reclaim for yourself. So I'm for other people maybe who've gone through something similar, I'm wondering how you started reclaiming that particular piece, reclaiming your pleasure mm-hmm. and how that's affected other areas of your life.
1: So <laughs> I'm finding myself getting really emotional now because I find you to be such a blessing with the question you've just asked and I mean it. I don't take it lightly when people do podcasts. People just think it's a conversation, but you're creating a platform for us to use our voice, tell our story, heal ourselves and hopefully give people the opportunity to heal themselves. So I just want to say thank you so much for that question. Thank you. so, so much.
0: Thank you for seeing me and, and for, for being so vulnerable and amazing. Uh, thank you for having this conversation. I can't have this conversation with just anyone.
1: I appreciate it. The reason why that's touched me so much is yesterday I spent an hour speaking to my partner about my, um, I don't, is it hunger? My real deep interest to explore myself sexually, something I would have never done I only just went for the first time to see a sexual therapist about three weeks ago and it blew my mind. And I know not everybody can be there, but I am on the most fascinating journey. And what you just did... Mentioning the sacral chakra is the creativity and sexuality. I I know there's a knowing in me. I don't have the proof. There's a knowing in me that when you unlock your sexuality, there is something in your creativity. Now, you possibly already know, but I think I had blocked that for myself. I had told myself that as a result of what happened, and remember that I don't want to say, you know, I I really don't want to make this just a gender thing because I think it goes across all genders, but women in particular have had a major level of Suppression sexually just throughout history, so there's I think there's work to be done of everyone, regardless of if they've experienced my kind of trauma, and similarly for men. When I went to see the sexual therapist, I did that with my partner. You know, this is what she said that blew my mind. A few other things. Firstly, she said sex is non-linear. That blew my mind because I just thought it was a transaction. Mm, Can you explain that? So meaning that just because I go into the bedroom with a partner if they start touching my shoulders or he starts touching my shoulders, the, the previous Yemi, like two months ago Yemi, thought that had to lead to sex. Mm. That had to be the end goal. And for me as a woman, the end goal was that he, he released, he he came. So for me, sex was linear. And she told me it didn't need to be. Now, some people might think, yeah, but I knew that. I didn't. And maybe I didn't because I'm still so into my journey. And, and I, you know, we're being really open talking about especially You know, sexuality and creativity. I've never experienced sexual pleasure as much as I have with this partner, but that's a lot to do with the work I have done on feeling like I could trust him and myself. So it really does start with yourself. And as you're speaking, as I'm speaking, there's something in that that has probably unleashed my creativity because what is an engineer doing creating a documentary? I just got chills, yummy. Yeah. Tell me, tell me what came up for you.
0: Because when you said that, it was like, as you've started to heal, you've done more and more and more creatively. You know, you set, you bent your reality. You, I know you opened this gym. You've done your TED Talks. You've written a book. Like, you've gone on all these podcasts. It's like the closer you get to reclaiming, and now you're to the point where it's like, I think you've got a great base level of healing, but you're doing the next step, which is reclaiming yeah. your pleasure, yeah. not just healing your pain, but reclaiming and stepping into your pleasure. And I just can't wait to see what that
1: piece does. Oh, oh my gosh. Is this therapy? Am I meant to pay you at the end? Absolutely not. <laughs> I love this. Reclaim. I think you're, yeah, you're speaking. And similarly, you, you see me. And it's a big reason why I was really you know, keen to come on here because that is part of the gift. I think you, you give so many, you actually see beyond the surface and my goodness, what a gift for us to have in the world. Reclaiming my pleasure. Thank you.
0: Thank you. I mean, I'm so inspired by you and everything you do and I just love you. I think you're an amazing person. Likewise. Thank you. Yeah. So We touched on it, but in addition to being an incredible author and speaker, you're a documentarian, an engineer, a business owner. Tell me, because I'm also a multi-passionate, multi-hyphenate, why is it important for you to be many things and live many lives within this one life?
1: Mm. I'll tell you now that I'm going through a shedding phase. So I literally about four weeks ago just released my directorship of my gym. Um, I had a cafe, I closed that down. I mean, that was struggling because of COVID. I could have resurrected, but let it go. So I'm actually now on the other end where it's, do I need all these things? I do have to be honest and say that I had to check myself and say, was I doing all these things because it was another mechanism to keep busy? Mm. And this is part of my exploration. But I I don't want to fully say it was that. I I think it was, I want to try, I want to live. I want to feel like I've lived. And so where there was passion and joy, I'd give it a go. But what was happening is it was, in some instances, spreading me thin. I have no regrets for what I've done. I think everything I've done have been stepping stones to wherever it is it's going to take me. So there was a bit of interest, but I think it was also just creating noise. And now I need to silence the noise. And I think, like you said, this is just going in. Tell me what came up for you.
0: <laughs> because I'm doing the same thing right now. <laughs> uh, really? Because I was like, it was so important for me for so long to be like, I do this and I do that. and I Because I didn't yes. want anyone to tell me that I was limited. I didn't want anyone to say, yes. you can't do this and you can't do that. And now I think I've proven to myself because that's, yes. I thought I needed to prove it to the world. I needed to prove it to myself that I could do anything I wanted to do. And now I realize I'm spreading myself so thin that I'm not doing anything I want to do. Wow. And that I feel exhausted all the time and I'm like joyless mm-hmm. a lot of the time. So I'm taking a break from a few things this month. Wow. And I already feel such relief. And, I don't know if this is exactly what you're talking about, but, like, you talked about, like, emptying your cup or something – and what what I thought I think it's not what you're talking about but what it made me think of is if I don't empty my cup of all the things I don't like there's no space
1: to get the beverage I do want in life same thing yeah same thing absolutely absolutely and it's because that's exactly what I'm going to be talking about again tomorrow some people because you know some people say fill your tank so that you're fulfilled that's not the cup we're talking about yeah. if you and I'm, I'm referring to knowledge cup because it could be, could be the same if that's full there's no space for anything else to come in it's like going to a shop saying so can have some more coffee but your cup's full like where's it going yeah. like you literally are going to be spent so you're absolutely right and that's exactly what i'm doing it's just do less but go deeper in the work i love and for me it's different less but deeper richness fulfillment um okay we we must be on the same path of shedding because yeah it's the titles that's the other thing and that's why I sometimes now cringe when people say she's got this business that business I just want to say hold up hold up hold up I've actually not got any of those anymore and I'm just trying to let go so I just need to figure out what new introduction I have because I think I'm on version Yemi (laughs) 9.8 at the moment um I have software updates every two months (laughs) 98 it was
0: a great year you know (laughs) (laughs)
1: love it
0: okay so tell me How, how have you like walked yourself through that? Because I also think I've been an accomplishment hoarder in my life because I needed it. Like I got my worth from what I did instead of who I was, instead of inside. How have you shed that? Or how are you working towards shedding that as you are more focused on what really matters
1: and what aligns with who you are? It's going back to the, you know, whether it's the talk therapy of why did I think I wanted that? Because if I don't stay attached to it, there'll be another reason. And I'm about to go through it now. The minute I left up my directorship role, I noticed I took something else on. I started tutoring university students and I loved the idea of tutoring and giving back, but it was taking a lot out of me. And now that's about to end. I find myself kind of shaking thinking, well, what am I going to do now? Mind you, I'm doing a PhD. So I really need to sit my ass yeah. down and go do some research. You definitely need right? some more work. <laughs> right exactly so there's something there so I'm thinking what do I think that is and you just said accomplishment hoarder I definitely think I'm one of those but it's to figure out what it is but honestly I I just want to live life but I have to be but I need to live life good and to be healthy and I need to redefine what healthy means and that's why coming to 40 I'm just using it as a time to celebrate life but also say well how can I how can life make give me more meaning without having to give up my soul for it Mm, what does that mean? What is was it? Abraham Hicks, who I listen to sometimes, says take the path of least resistance. It's not every day I got to fight, man. I'm tired of fighting. <laughs> and when I mean fighting, I'm not talking necessarily a person. It could be me. Oh, I want to make that $15 million. I want to make that. T- yeah, I have those desires, but sometimes there's an inner fight and you know, you know what that fight is. Sometimes the fight is just my mind. Yeah. Like, I just, I want to I want a peace. Yeah.
0: I've been thinking about that lately. Like, why do I think that life has to be hard for it to be worth it? Yeah. Like, what if I could find more ease? Like, could, could that still be worthwhile? Could I, Correct. could I feel fulfilled? Could I
1: feel like I'm yes. enough in the ease? Yeah. And there has to be, there has to be where just as we are talking, I just kind of, because I can see you've got an, an awards behind you and you know, when we get those awards, which is great. And then people are talking and saying, you know, I had to fight and I worked all my life. And I'm thinking, oh, but what if there was a different way? What if we started to have people say, yeah, I took action, but I went with ease. I went with flow so that my heart and my soul wouldn't be, or my nervous system wouldn't be shattered.
0: Yeah. I even think about that. I had a woman on the show who said she's an author and she says she doesn't believe in hard work. And I was like, Oh, I had a reaction to it. I was like, but then I thought, okay, there is hard work in the world. Like there's construction work and like, you know, being a farmer, like the, that's like hard physical labor. That is hard work. But if we're talking about the words hard and work together and we're using it to talk about something that we're passionate about, What kind of message is that sending our psyche and our soul? We have to be hard workers. What about instead, Mm. like, we're passionate workers. We're fulfilled workers. Mm. We work with belief. But I don't know if it, like, this hard work idea, putting those two words together, I think can create this notion that I think you and I have both have, that we have to hustle to survive.
1: Yeah, yeah. Honestly, what you're just saying, there's this paradigm shift. And, and for me, this is where leaders come in, which is you just start changing the words, saying, yeah, um, yeah, I'm doing some fulfilled work, or yeah, I'm no longer going to do it. Like, we just, that's how we change the paradigm. And I know words, it's basically the meanings we give it. But considering we are all on the same vibration of what that word means, it's so much better. So much better.
0: Can you talk about the alibi? <laughs> the what are, what's the difference oh between an alibi and negative self-talk
1: oh my gosh you're coming out with all this stuff and i'm thinking you should be doing a research you need to be doing a phd How i'll do it with you let's do it together please it'd be so much easier <laughs> alibi i got that from who's this dude napoleon hill What's it? Think and Grow Rich. I was listening. I mean, I read it when I was younger, but I, I now listen to audibles and he used the term and I loved it, which is that we have alibis, which sounds more friendly. And it's literally just the reason to not get our shit done. And sometimes, and, and, you know, I've, I've said that a bit harshly, but Basically, if you want something, but you find yourself you're not achieving, it, it's because you've got some alibis. That's the theory. And, you know, I let me see something I haven't wanted to do in a while. Like I need to write. There's a kid's book. I I know that I, I just know intuitively that I should write it. It's about spiders and my journey with them. Um I can't wait. I know. It's uh it's very interesting. I have a spider that comes every night wow. to my window. I, I kid you not. She's been doing it and I'm calling her she, I don't know. I've I've decided to call the spider Sherbert, but there's a story there and I want to tell it that would reach but I haven't done it yet. And my alibi is that I'm I'm too busy. Mm. But I think what's happened is I haven't connected with the why. It's not it's not as strong. So when we talk about alibis, it's if there's something you really want to do and the why is strong enough, what alibi are you giving? And we say that so we can take away the shame. That's what I add to it. Take away the shame of excuses, um, negative talk, and maybe just have a chat with your alibi. Say, Look, I know you got my back. I know you want I know you wanna you want me to succeed, but I have to get this done. So if you just fall back just for a couple of days while I get this. <laughs> Done. It feels it feels less um less daunting.
0: So, how do you find your why? How do you know if it's the real why? Like, what do you feel in your body when you've reached the why that is the truth?
1: I think it's desire. It's so strong, and and I think it it lasts for days, weeks, months. The minute your desire is going in for years, then I think there's a bigger message towards it. And you know, whether you meditate or whether you meditate or you speak to someone, I think speaking to someone, which is why podcasts are really great, because I get to know myself a lot more and it's a journey. We, we, I mean, you just think of all the realizations you and I have had, as well as who, what the listeners will have. It's it's the journey. And then you find out the desire. And I guess the other question to ask is, what happens if you don't do it? That's sometimes. So some people go for the carrot or the stick. They either want the award or they just don't want to be like, you know, whipped. Um, figure out which one you are why do you want it and if you can't figure out the why what happens if you don't get it and sometimes that would scare you shitless that you're like okay I want it I I think I'm a bit of both if I didn't do the work on healing trauma my nervousness is that the world is just going to become something like what's that movie where there are zombies walking all over walking dead something walking dead (laughs) yeah there you go yeah that that's my fear
0: yeah I do feel like part of the world is trying to be the walking dead right now yeah but
1: it's it's not gonna work well it's not gonna work if we want any continuation of us as a species you know we talk about sustaining the planet and and the you know plants and i'm, I'm all for that but it's like is everyone has everyone just not realized that part of the reason why no one or we don't have as many people caring about the world is because they themselves are broken so how about we sustain humanity Thank you. And start looking at that. So I just, it just feels like constantly trying to put plasters on things that need full on surgery. And that's, that's what I, that's what I want to do. And, you know, you've got Obama, who's got another, I think it's on Netflix, you know, national parks, which would be really great. But I'm like, when are we going to start having platforms that really get into the the trauma and even if the trauma is that the conversation around trauma is okay trauma happens to everybody but this is how we can do it and not keep on passing it on like let's just have some real dialogue of what we can deal with because i appreciate we're nervous of opening up pandora's box but it's like you're going to be speaking to people who can't hear you when you talk about sustaining the planet and and our thing because they've got so much other stuff going on Um, I could be wrong, but I just think we've got to change the approach.
0: (laughs) I mean, I don't think you're wrong because that's what I always say. Like I've met a lot of people and I love animals. Don't get me wrong. I'm a huge dog person. I grew up with dogs, but I worked with this dog rescue group when I first moved to L.A. And the woman who ran it was so mean to humans. She was all about saving dogs. She was going all around L.A. trying to save dogs, which is beautiful. Don't get me wrong. Hmm. But she was nasty to people. And I always used to say, after that, it totally changed my perspective. I'm like, you know what? Until we can stop killing our own species, yeah. there's really no hope for any other species. And that extends yeah. to the whole world. Like we have to heal ourselves and each other before we can even consider touching some plant or some animal or or the whole world in general. And so that's why I think what you're saying is so right on
1: brilliant no brilliant good it's good not to feel alone and I know there might be some people saying yeah but what we have to wait till we heal humans and then everything else dies and I think that's that's where purpose comes in so that woman who is you know focusing on the dogs maybe she could hear some of your work on my work Mm -hmm. and find out that okay even though that is her priority it really isn't going to help if you ignore the other side so just change the way you approach and we could just I don't know we could work together we could just work together yes exactly. exactly I'm not
0: saying like stop saving the dogs please keep saving the dogs please yeah. keep trying to be a conservationist that's all great but couple it with healing yourself and doing what you can
1: to share your healing yes and it just take responsibility for yourself we're not saying you need to carry everybody else just yourself find out what it is you don't like about humans and then work through that and that in itself will already do major work so that we can keep working together so yeah
0: yeah, I mean, you said you were trying to work toward defining what health is for you. Where are you at with that definition and how are you finding that?
1: I've got to be honest, the health of mine, um The healthy mind, which I know has become the big thing over the past couple of years, is big. You know, I remember as I come to my 40th, I wanted to be a certain size and all of that. It's not about that. I want to be healthy in the food I eat. I want to wake up in the morning and feel good in my stomach. But my goodness, if I've got a few extra rolls, if the thighs touch each other, that would have maybe bothered me in some past life, I don't know, 30 years ago, 20 years ago is to let that go. So it's shifted. It really is about my mindset and how I love on my body, however she is. Mm. Um, and then the other thing is, how do I deal with emotion when I'm stressed? That's really huge. I do want to change what I put in my mouth, what I eat. Um, but I, it's, it's it's about 40 years of having to undo work. So I still need to figure that out. Um, but mentally is the biggest thing. How can I be mentally strong? How can I give myself joy and pleasure without sacrificing myself, but also be a collaborator? Because even though I don't mind being selfish or self-preserving sometimes, I'm also conscious that um, compromise is important for relationships. So it's finding that balance. And that for me is a very big part of health. Yeah.
0: My final question is, if you and that 30-something year old version of yourself who is just at the tip of this just beginning to move through this trauma we're standing in the same room and you were looking at each other what do you think she would say to you now
1: and why i think she'd smile and say you've done good you've done good baby girl you've done everything you could have done with what you knew And I think she would say that because she knows that's what I need to hear to keep going. And like you said, it doesn't almost matter if it's true, it's if it's got good impact. And I promise you, if any of us could speak words of kindness and compassion to ourselves, we would go on and do amazing things. Mm. And that's all I think she'd say. And yeah, she'd leave, leave me with it and run with it.
0: And what would you say to her and
1: why? thank you I think gratitude is one of the most um one of the most powerful forces ever I still don't know why but it's my goodness I love doing great deeds but it's it's that gratitude that comes back I'd be saying I'd be saying thank you for giving me this experience to know who I am And who I can be. And that's real deep gratitude. Because above all else. I mean I really want to be here for a very long time. But if I was to go tomorrow. My goodness what a great life. What a really great life. So it'd be thank you. Ooh. You felt that?
0: Yeah. Wow what a beautiful gratitude to give. Our younger self. Yeah. Yeah, Yami I love you. Thank you so much for everything you shared. And thank you for who you are.
1: Love you too Lauren. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for listening and thanks to my guest Yemi Pen. For more info on Yemi, follow her on Instagram at yemi.pen. That's at Y-E-M-I dot emipen And check out her documentary, Did I Choose My Trauma, on YouTube or her website, yemipen.com. You can also buy her book, Did You Get the Memo? Because I fucking didn't, which I fucking love on Amazon. Thanks to Emily Shulmanovich, who came out of Unleashed Production Retirement to edit this episode. You can follow her at We Can't Find Emily. Thanks to Liz Full for the show's theme music. Follow her at Liz Full. And again, thank you. If you like what you heard today, remember to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Share the show with a friend and post about it on social media. Tag me at Lauren LaGrasso and at Unleash Your Inner Creative, and I will repost to share my gratitude. Also, tag Yemi at yemi.pen so she can share too. My wish for you this week is you remember remember. remember why it's so important to speak up our traumas don't just affect us they're cyclical repetitive ancestral and transferable when you heal yourself you help heal everyone in your family in the past and the future and also the whole world i love you and i believe in you talk with you next week